Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to season two, episode twenty-four of the Homestead in UK podcast. I'm Alan. Welcome, Mike. How are you doing, mate? You all right? All right. Got a slight sniffly nose. A bit of hay fever. I, I don't know whether it's hay fever or something. I'm allergic to you, mate. <laughs> Fair enough. We're in the. Uh, well, it's not the workshop of dreams, but it's. No. It's not Santa's workshop, mate. Yeah. Santa's workshop. We're making beehives. Well, frames up today. Yep. Because it is, we are right in the middle of swarm season here, and uh, some people will have seen that we've been quite lucky. But we will talk a little bit more about bee beekeeping as the pro program yeah, goes yeah. on. But um, yeah. what we are doing is we are using a few tools here and this, that, and the other. So if you hear clunking the the the, the delicate strains of Alan's cordless drill. <laughs> Yeah, we're trying to keep and me swearing because I put things in the wrong way round yeah, yeah, and all that, that jazz. Yeah, used yeah. to that by now, then. Yeah. Then um, yeah, what we're doing was when you buy when you buy frames for beehives, they come flat packed. Well, you can have them assembled, but it's much easier. It costs quite it, much, mate. They do, and it's one of those nice little jobs actually. It's quite therapeutic just to tick along and make a few bits and bobs in it. Definitely is. So. We are. Absolutely. And I quite like this process. I have to say, it's one of the first things I did with you, beekeeping. Yeah. Which must be back now, 10 years ago, probably. Yeah. So uh, we're assembling frames to put into our colony so that once you've, once you've caught a swarm, you start it off in a small beehive, which is called a nucleus box. Mm -hmm. And then what you can do is, once it's built up to a reasonable strength, usually after a week or so. Then you can pop it in a full hive, and this early in the year, they should be able to um, have enough forage, and you know, with good weather, they should be able to develop strong enough so that they can um, get through get through the winter, really, which is what it's all about. Um, and obviously the earlier, earlier you catch a swarm, the less... Unless you have to feed them, basically. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a good time of year to be catching swarms. There's a lot of swarms about right now. Yeah. Um, I've already taken five this year, which is really exciting. I'm really pleased about that. Yeah, that is great. Um, it looks that way. And I've had two at home and maybe one at the farm. Yeah. So it has been. I have heard that it is a good swarming year, but the run of weather that we've had in the UK, which has been, it's been very warm, isn't it, mate? Well, I mean, if you think when we did the last episode, it's not rained since just then. Just over two it? weeks ago, it hasn't rained since then. No. The sun shone most of the time. It's been pretty warm most of the time. Yeah. Um, and actually, that that literally the day after we we recorded that podcast, uh, I had a swarm move in that box you were poking on the yeah. last podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's my magic touch, mate. It was that what it was. I gave it a magic poke. You reckon? <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're claiming, is it? Either that or, I, or, or I've got a natural queen substance about me. Have you? Yeah. Natural, natural queen. Natural <laughs> odour of lemongrass. <laughs> now, yeah, so it has been very warm and it has gone from one extreme to the other here, hasn't it? We had such a wet March, April, but May and June have been extraordinarily dry. Yeah. I mean, extraordinarily dry, and so much so that anyone who's farming or gardening on heavy clay like me, they have, you'll have really struggled this year, I certainly have. Yeah. It's gone from one extreme to the other, mate. Well, I've been watering, I was watering before, to be fair, but I'm having to water now regularly. Yeah, um, yeah. 
every few days on my, my chalk it just drains so well once it gets going yeah. it starts draining it's just draining your, through your ground's a bit different to mine as well don't you need that right what am I doing I don't know we're, we're not putting in wax here we're just um, I think we probably should put a strip so I think we're going to go what little tidy bits yeah so go for our normal um, like foundationless but not quite foundationless this is interesting there's an interesting bit of wax here look like <laughs> stuck to the box to, to be honest, anything just like to get them started. Bosh. Anything just to get them started, and then just a little bit of the fishing wire. There is an up the and down. There is an up and down, though, isn't there? There is an up and down, and I can't remember which way around. Well. They you don't pass, seem to care. I'll know if you pop. Is that wired foundation or not? No, they're all wireless because they're cheaper. In fact, I might even have got this free. So, what we need is an old one, and then I can see. It's about the mid isn't it? It's about the mid yeah. Right. Yeah, so. Oh, what have you been up to, mate? Well. I've been so busy, it's ridiculous. Right. Um, obviously, all the sort of sowing and watering and planting that everyone else has been doing. Um, yeah. But for me, a lot of the focus has been on getting the, the new allotment plot ready. Yeah, I've so I've been, been, been doing a lot of digging up there. And I've been going up late night often, because it just suits with our family routines. Cooler than all, mate. It's a lot cooler. Trying to do it in, in the heat we've had recently is just ridiculous. Right, so, so the single line at the bottom yeah. faces down. So if you look in the cell... Yeah. There's a line. Yeah. And that. Oh no, it doesn't matter. It's not. Doesn't matter. I don't think it makes any difference. It does. Doesn't make any difference. No. Right, um, so yes, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of digging, a lot of prepping, and, and a bit like we were talking about on the last episode. I've I've spent a lot of time digging out cooch grass. Yeah. And bindweed. And I think I'm gonna have to tackle some um comfrey as well, which is there's no way I'm winning that battle. No, that's pretty um, hefty stuff. It's going to be pretty hardcore, that one. But and I've had my fair trouble with weeds this year. You know, I haven't got my raspberries right at the farm, so I've had to take them out. Right. Um, I had a lot of raspberry casualties this year. Okay. And we put them in last year, and then obviously we had the drought last year, so I don't think they ever really established themselves very well. Right. Then a lot have not, even like the autumn, both the autumn and the summer fruiting, I've had quite a lot of casualties. Right. And so the ones that were there are completely and utterly overrun because we don't spray. Yeah. So then we're thinking, well, what should I so rather than row, I'm going to actually, so I've dug up what I've got left. Yeah. And I'm actually going to do some, um, I'm going to do some block planting to see oh, if okay. that's easier. I'm going to bang now. So um, you might want to move your phones because jump all over. <laughs> Once I start getting the old uh, taxi. <laughs> Yeah, so I've, I've been trying to keep up. The problem I'm having as well is that I've, because I've started digging, you're turning it up, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm turning it up. I've covered it again, and what I did find after the discussion last time is that the black plastic did work better on the longer grass. Right. But now that it's cut down, I think you're better at the old. All right, wiring. you're going to do the ends though. Bomb bars, mate. Come on, sort it out. No half jobs here. Um, <laughs> bodges me, mate. <laughs> bodges back to that one. Um, no, because because I've turned it up, obviously I'm getting a bit of weed coming back through, but I've covered it with a black plastic. Yeah. But it's more that I'm trying to dig at the same time as when I should be planting out, sowing, watering, and I'm just not going to keep up with all of it. So I've kind of made my peace with that to an extent. Um, and then at the same time, I've set myself some pretty challenging, shall we say, plans, things I'd like to try and do. So one of the things I've got is probably about another four hours worth of digging before I can put my sweet corn in. My sweet corn's not in the field yet. No. Mine's in pots, but it's starting to get too big for the yeah, pots. Got, in. Mine's in pots. My yeah. worry is it's just it's not going to rain. No. 
No rain forecast in southern England for at least half a week. I mean, yeah. they say we might have some some storm and showers, which would be good because it does. But now the ground's so dry, tendency for it just to run off, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, so and the irrigation at the farm, we have got some sprinklers at the farm, but there's no way I can guarantee that if I sowed something on a Friday by the Monday. It wouldn't be, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wouldn't be dried out. Yeah, so. yeah that's what you've got. So, you so I am hold, I'm holding back on some of the sowings because of that. So yeah. I haven't even sowed my parsnips yet. Right. But I will have to put them yeah. in, obviously, this week. Yeah. Because it's late for them now. But they will be all right. It's early June. They'll be all right. Um, there you go, mate. Nice one. And, uh, <clears throat> but I think a lot of people are in that position. But my wheat is up, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you sent me a picture. That's amazing. Yeah, the wheat has come through, the uh, the corn, or what we call corn in the UK, but wheat yep. for um, hopefully going to do some milling and yep. make some bread by hand or what have you, but I'm not quite sure I'm going to get it out of the ground yet. I haven't got a scythe or a combine harvester. I'm sure we'll find, find a scythe on the Facebook I've Marketplace got a sickle, on me. Mate. I've got a sickle. I've got a sickle. Oh, it'll take a while. Well, might, back. might actually be better. Oh, really? Um, well, yeah, because... You know, scything, from what I can see, is quite industry. You, you take okay. everything, whereas with a sickle, you actually grasp the bit you're going to cut yeah. by hand. So you can work around the uh, ranunculus. And the oh, yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's because that. there is there is there is there is a few, just a few uh, weeds in there. I bet there's quite a lot of weeds. It's in not there. actually too bad. No. And you know, we're just so reluctant to spray because we never have. Yeah. So we're. So we don't really want to start, and um, I think that everything has to be commended, from my perspective. Well, on the other side of it is, is that there is food there. Yeah. And we're not trying to compete with some commercial grower. No. Um, and we'll see what the returns like. Yeah. I mean, it's been so dry. I haven't watered the wheat at all, and it's up, and it's ear, put, putting on ears now, and yeah. stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this this weather's been great for the. Uh, growth but it could do with some water aspects. Yeah. yeah but what has been amazing is that um you know the, the field that i was putting some permanent permanent crops in has been extraordinarily wet and yeah. then extraordinarily dry and because of that i had to hold on to quite a lot of crops so i'd bought some asparagus crowns oh, okay and I bought some Jerusalem artichoke I think you thought you were going to plant out you haven't done. Yes, I had so many things that I wanted to put in, yeah. but it was just too wet. They would have all just rotted off. So as soon as the ground was dry enough, I rotivated over, ploughed, trenched it all. Obviously the potatoes were the priority. But So by the time I got round to putting in the asparagus, which was probably two weeks ago, mm. I mean, I didn't, I didn't hold out any hope for it whatsoever. No. I mean, it, you know, it was in plastic and in the dark and in the cool, but, you know, well overdue. But you know what? I've been out there today, and I would say there's probably 80% have survived, and they're all throwing up their, their little feathery foliage. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just taken them a long while to get up. But, I mean, if you've look, looked at the ground, I'm not saying that the ground was all perfect and... You know, lovely, deep, and manured, and rotivated because it wasn't. It was what it was. Yeah. Um, and I think that everybody is in. You know, everybody has to rush and do the jobs they can while they can. You know, that's how it is, isn't that's it? That's kind of how it is this year, isn't it? I mean, I, I know that I've got jobs coming out of my ears that I need to do. Yeah. Obviously, some of those are being delayed because I'm 
you know, for example, last night, I went up the allotment for a bit, did about an hour's worth of digging, got bored of that, went and moved the beehives around. Yeah. But I know that if I don't do those things, I'm not going to have time at the weekend. No. And at the weekend, I've got to finish planting my tomatoes and I've got to finish getting my brassicas out and I need to build some cages for some of the brassicas this year. And that's. And, I'm, and I've taken a big hit on my brassicas this year. I've got a lot of brassicas which are in pots now, yeah. which are showing signs of stress. Yeah. But I haven't got a tunnel to put them in. So there may be some for you. Oh, right, okay. Like, like, you know, 500 odd. Oh, okay, well, perhaps I won't bother sewing anymore just yet then. I wouldn't. No. Um, and hopefully my tunnel, fur tunnel, won't be too long in coming. No. But I'm going to have to rely on, to, on quite a lot of secondary sewing. Um, in order to in order to have things yeah and and it's funny but in a way i've got less i've got less variety than i did last year really i'll never polytunnel that weird but it's because i'm trying to get organized with a rotation system where i've got a tunnel full of brassicas right okay. right temperatures you know yeah. what i mean yeah and that will come but it might mean that you know those those june july sowings suddenly have become very very important yeah yeah. Uh, well, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, I'm starting to look towards that, but the, I'm having the same problem I have this time every year. Right. Which is that my greenhouses are full. Yeah. If I sow brassicas outdoors, they get just eaten. asking for them to get eaten. Oh, just, just or, or for caterpillars to lay their eggs on there and then they get eaten later on, or just for any, all kinds of manner of things that can go wrong. Yeah. So I typically would sow them in modules in, indoors, but I've got no indoor space to sow. Um, mine so is that I have sown them already, yeah. and now they're up. Yeah, I've got anywhere to put them. But I've done a secondary lot, so I've got some. Right. But I've got to say, the quality of compost I've had this year doesn't seem to have quite the same depth of nutrient. Right. It's about four weeks and starting to run out. Yeah, it's quite evident, really. Yeah. So whether it's a slightly different composition or well, there's definitely different brands coming on board, and I know that I watched the thing not that long ago about obviously ending the use of peat in in yeah. compost for. Non-commercial growers, yeah, and um, obviously you know I'm not bored with that and have been for quite a while now. Um, but it does mean that you get you have to find brands that you get along with, yeah. And I've had a couple of different ones, and I know that I've got one that I prefer. I also know how expensive it is, yeah. and it's not cheap at all. Um, but they, that that RHS one I've had this year, I'm not. It looks good for seed sowing in. I think after that, I'm not so sure. It's a bit too much leaf. We'll see. Yeah. But I've got most of my tomatoes are now in the growing positions, apart from probably got another 12 to put outdoors. And then this one of the greenhouses needs to be done. Mm. But I reckon, um, well, I've, I've gone for slightly less plants in the space this year. So more space between them mm. in the hope that I get better production. Well, I, I, it worked for me last year. Yeah. I, I had what a good... space were you putting them at then? Um, I was putting them at two feet. Yeah spacing in the ground yeah and um and then two but and then two foot between the rows so right. block planting yeah which is what they would recommend on the back of the seed packet that is yes you know me mate I'm a yeah bit of a, well, no, for me i was actually worried about overcrowding the polytunnel and having problems with rot yep right yeah right right so that was my that was what i thought and i keep i thought well i'm going to keep the ventilation really good in the tunnel so i've stuck with that last, last year i grew um, what was that? Probably grew sixty plants indoors on canes. Yeah, and then in between them, there's a walkway in the polytunnel. Yeah, and I had tabletop garden pearl 
in yeah. green Tesco in Tesco crates. Do you remember? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. And I had four of those. Right. So this year, there's 144 cane standards, yeah. cordons inside, and then 75 plants okay. of um, garden pearl, which is which we're going to put five in the crate. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at 15 crates down the yeah. middle. So, you know, in the tunnel at one end, you're looking at probably, so you're looking in excess of like 250 tomatoes inside. Yeah. yeah. And I have got some for outside, but again, they're getting pot-bound, really quite badly pot-bound. Yeah. But they are the mountain magic and the Roma, and I'm going to just see what I get from them, really. Well, I think both of those varieties have had good success with outdoors yeah. in, the, in the past. Uh, mountain magic, I, I plant exclusively outdoors now. Yes. Well, I've got much indoor space, but um, and they because they'll grow through the blight, are fantastic for that. Yeah, so uh, some of them ones you gave me. So yeah, uh, yeah. So they, they, that's going to be my adult one. If so. they're still in those pots I gave you in them now, then they must be really struggling by this. No, point. those ones, those tall ones, yeah. are indoors. So I put some in, yeah. and I grew some mountain magic, yeah. and they'll go out. But the majority of them are Roma. Yeah, and it's probably another fifty or sixty right. to go out. Yeah, but if I get a crop off them now, I'll be surprised. Yeah. I think they will. Oh, they will do. Yeah, it's whether. Whether you end up with problems like blossom end rot because they've been sat too long in the pots, yeah, yeah. that's the question. Now. So the tunnels are planted now. Though. Yeah. So tomatoes, yeah, aubergines, peppers, chilies, F1 cucumbers, and herbs. Nice. I've had not. I did. I tried to raise some sweet potato chips. Yeah. Not had a lot of luck with that at all. Slips on. Yeah. So I'm not sure that's going to happen this year. But I might find one or two and just see if I can get them to go and have a bit of cultivation. Yeah. And I have done some melons. I'll do a row of those again because they were quite good fun. I don't think. Funny when we had them though, they weren't, they weren't that popular. People weren't really eating as many as they could. No, and I really loved them. I think yeah. they were great. They were, they were called Sugar Baby. It was yeah. a small watermelon. Yeah. We've done those, and then we've done another one called Amir, yeah. which was a little gala or honeydew. Yeah. Not, not honeydew, a little gala. I think they're gala. And they were really tasty. They were delicious. Mm. Delicious. Cool. And maybe one or two off each plant. Yeah. So we grew 12 plants, and we've got about, you know, 22,000. Yeah. It, was, it was really nice. I thought they were really good. So I will do those, but. Um, I think the focus very much of the of the of the farm and the shop is going to be on vegetables, really. So yeah. um, we're going to try that, and then I will grow some courgettes indoors just because they get such an early start. Yeah, so I'll probably do four or six indoors yeah. before the ones outside go yeah. bonkers. And then I'm raising a lot of pumpkins, and squashes. Yeah, and then basically the idea is that anything that any space we've got left at the end of this. Of planting all of the seeds and yeah. um, carrots and root crops and beetroot and we're just filling the whole thing up with yeah. um, winter squash and pumpkins nice. and then just let it sprawl all over because yeah. it's such a good weed suppressant yeah. and then it all dies down and you get a load of stuff and it's great well that's exactly what I'm going to do with that the big patch I'm digging out this or I started digging out this week last week or so I spent a couple of hours digging in I'll probably well the picture I saw, I've yeah. doubled, I doubled it last night um, if I plant all that up with sweet corn and then underplant it all with pumpkins and squashes that's yeah. what I'm planning to do yeah. then what I should end up with at the end of the season is a reasonable patch of ground to grow in yeah I'm not but underplanting no I'm block block planting my sweet corn yeah. like I did last year to be honest with you there was no light under that right I did them pretty close so you're putting them really close together like you did when you did the allotment that you did. yeah not quite as close as that right 
but I didn't have any, there was no light coming up there. Right. Some of the pumpkins did snake through, but I didn't get many fruit down the bottom. Right. And so the idea would be then I'm going to, um, I'm going to have a big squash and pumpkin patch. Yeah. Uh, a big stand of sweet corn. I think we've done about 300 sweet corn. But the thing about sweet corn is it all comes at, all comes at once. It does, and I'm, I'm kind of relying on that because I've got uh, relatives visiting in the summer. Mm. So I'm hoping that I'll have a load ready when they're here. So when is that? It's going to be in middle half of August, second half of August. Yeah, mine probably won't be. So ready. I might have spark. Mine's, mine's about six inches up. Oh, mine's some of my, some of my more advanced ones are about a foot tall. Well, they, they, are ready for plant. they are ready for planting, aren't they? Yeah, it's a I've, got, I've got a real mixture though. I've got some that are really small. Yeah. Some that are really big, all in the same trays because they don't germinate at the same rate. That was the problem with the, the cool spring. We didn't get the germination rates were poor, if you remember. It was awful. Everybody's been talking about it, mate. So it's been, it's been tricky from that sense. But I am harvesting beautiful lettuce now. Yeah, me too. Um, I've got my, um, I've started harvesting monster this week. I've got, uh, I've got cabbages coming along nicely, broad beans coming along nicely. Just start one then. Yeah. Um, I've eaten my first beetroot. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm far away, I'm not quite there yet. I've eaten my first beetroot, I've eaten um, Mons 2 peas. Early yeah. peas, my broad beans are ready. Yeah. And like you say, lots of lettuce, lots of rocket. Corn salad, radishes, I struggle with turnips are nearly ready. I've grown some really lovely hearting lettuce, but my loose leaf stuff has really struggled for the flea beetle again. Same problem yeah, I Someone else was talking about flea beetle. me a couple of weeks ago saying about it. It's been, I've not a lot of you can do about it really, is there, flea beetle? Well, there are things you can do. You cover it with fleece, yeah. literally for the whole of its life. But the flea beetles are in the ground. Mm. <laughs> you cover it with fleece, what's going to happen? So, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, there are some biological controls for flea beetles. There are, yeah. But if you're not go down the nematode route for next year. Yeah, but if you're not growing, if, you're, if they're outside, I don't think they'll stay around. No. no so, I'm not sure you'll have much success with exactly. so I, I did buy a spray thing, but like an organic one, it's made very little difference. So, yeah. I'll try and consistent with that. So and what is it you've got it on? Your lettuce? No, it's on like, yeah, I'm sorry, it's on like the, the, the um, like I've got a spicy leaf, leaf. So it's mustard. on Mustard, mustard. Yeah, it's on the mustard, it's on the, um, like the mizuna or whatever it is that's in there. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's similar to radish, isn't it? Yeah, and it's on the radish. They love radish, right? Yeah. But other than that, it's not too bad, so I, what I'll just do is grow, going forward, I'll grow the lettuce I don't bother with. Well, I don't like radishes that much, so I'm not that bothered about the radishes. No, I don't mind radishes. The only thing I'm missing out on is I do like rocket, and I, they do smash yeah, the rocket smash as well. Rocket. Um, oh. Radishes are quite nice roasted if you've never had them. Alright. Oh. never had a roast radish, I think that could change your life. I like a roast beetroot. Oh, roast, yeah. radish. roast radish, mate, honestly. Yeah, alright. They are good. That's worth Are we all out? Are we done? No, it's not oh, a box here. No, we're doing it now. It was me getting all excited. Uh, sorry, mate. Um, so. That's that's growing, but what has been nice to see is, and I've got some inspiration, is the old elderflower cordial. All right, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try that this weekend if I get a minute. Me too, yeah. I don't make the elderflower cordial very often. I'd like to do that, that quick champagne. Oh, I'd like to do that as well. So, yeah, I'll try that. And that's not difficult, is it? It's like it's the opposite of difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really simple. So I might try and do some of that just yeah. to make some nice, refreshing elderflower champagne. Just to... Put it in like literally in a PET bottle, don't you like? Get an old Coke bottle. Yeah. And you just put the, the, the overflowers in there with some lemons and some sugar, pretty much. There's it? a cracking recipe in Hugh Fernie Whittenstall's book. Is 
Yeah. Um, and I know that I was chatting to someone about it, and um, maybe we could put the recipe up for people to have a look at. I'm pretty sure there's lemons and cream of tartar or something like that in it. Or I don't. Oh, I think citric acid in it. Normally might be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll have a look at that and see if we can get a good brew. And I do miss brewing. And sometimes. When you have to wait for a really long time for a brew and then it's not that great, yeah. it's a bit disheartening. But if, if you're only waiting a, you know, a week or a couple of weeks, that's yeah. not so bad, is it? And I have to say, I can guarantee, as soon as mine's ready, it'll start raining. There'll be no nice hot weather yeah, to yeah. Sit outside. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I should make some because I'm desperate for some rain outside. Well, maybe, maybe you should. That's perhaps what you need to do. <laughs> but I, um, I, that worry came up. We've had a little go on that. Nice. Yeah. It's all right. I've always liked the berry. Yeah, it's, it's got a good good rep, but I, I, yeah, I didn't love it. It's better than the other one I made. <coughs> right, but I think I think possibly it just needs a little bit longer. Yeah. So I'm I'm half tempted to bottle it and just leave it. Is it in a pressure barrel now? Yeah. It's, I'll just leave it in there. Yeah. No. How long? How long has it been? Uh, it's it shaving. takes eight weeks. Right. Okay, it hasn't been eight weeks. No, yet. It takes eight weeks to get good. Okay. Without shadow of doubt. Right, okay, so I'll just be patient then. Yeah. It, it, it says on the thing it's ready in like three weeks. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it takes eight weeks to get good. Right, okay. And when it's done, it, and, then it, when it, and then when it is eight weeks, it's like, oh, that is great. Okay, all right. So that's all how right. it's always been. So I reckon I made it, I reckon I made it probably a month ago. Oh, a month ago? You've got, you've got ages to wait. Well, yeah, it's supposed to, be, it's supposed to be a week fermenting, then put it in the pressure barrel, and wait two weeks, you can drink it. It's what it says on the packet. conditioned ale, mate. Fast conditioned. Mate, oh, that's what you, mate. That's why you jump the gun? Not even a little bit. I'm normally quite, I'm normally quite patient, to be fair. Must have been thirsty that night. Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> really thirsty. <laughs> but no, it's been nice to do that, I have to say. And, and I will look forward to some elderflower stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm judicious with my use of elderflowers and where I get them from, so I'll leave some berries for later on in the year. Yeah. I always think about that when I'm harvesting the flowers. Oh, yeah, really cool. They've all, all come out at once this year, but again, another consequence of this whole yeah, I think you're right. Um, I really do think you're right. Yeah, it was done so, for ages and now all of a sudden it's like... It's all out. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I have been doing a little bit of rogue lifting and planting as well. Have you? I haven't got any elderflower near me. Okay. But I have now. Okay. <laughs> so I've planted three elders in my garden. From where? Uh, I did two from cuttings. Which, oh, is, just, which is just native Sambucas Nigra. Where did you where, just took cuttings? I took cuttings from trees in I think over winter. Work. Yeah, yeah. I did it a couple of years ago, and uh, it takes a long time for them to get going. Does it? Like yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't mind trying to do that. Yeah. And then, then do a little masterclass on that on the old on the old. Yeah. Because it'd be, it's just nice to have them near you. Yeah. When you're in control of it, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, Couple in the hedgerow round the back. Yeah. You want to wait a little bit longer before you do it now? You can, you can do it from. But hardwood's the best way for the elders, which needs to do You get a whole load of them, put them in a plant pot. Just cut some sticks and stick them in a pot, yeah, and wait. But um, That's my kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it takes a really long time for them to establish. So mine, I think, probably three years old now. And I just can't get some sticks, stick them in a pot. Yeah, <laughs> great. Um, and the other well, one, I've lost some buddlia as well. That's another one you could do from cuttings. Yeah, yeah, very easy. Very easy from um, And again, good. Not a bad time to do it once it's finished flowering. Um, yeah, so the other one is one I've just bought, mate. It's a proprietary. It's one of the purple, like yeah, purple black lace, one. whatever they call it. I used to have a lovely one of them in yeah. my garden. I'm gonna try. And, I'd like to do the quick champagne with the pink flowers off that because it will come out pink. Yeah, they do. They're lovely. So it'd be really nice. 
Looking forward so to that. So we're slaving through these, yeah. mate. We're nearly there. We've done half. I've done a lot of beekeeping. Yeah. A lot of beekeeping, like they're just moving bees around. Obviously, with the swans I've caught, try and get them to where they're going to go to, where they're going to stick. Yeah. Um, so I've it's taken... been lovely to see swarms, hasn't it? My neighbours text on Tuesday night, I think it was. So yeah. Thursday's recording, Tuesday night. And um, oh, if I was not aware, there's a big swarm, or a load of bees moved into that box on your garage roof this afternoon. And that well, was quite something to see, and I was like, oh, I hope they're not offended by it, you know, I hope not bothered by it. It just seemed to be completely fine. Um, I think for people who don't keep bees, it's good to, to know that it's actually when bees are at their most docile. Yes. Because they haven't got any young, they haven't got any brood. Nothing to protect. So there's, yeah, so the only time you might get a slightly leery swarm is if they've, not, if they've been out for a long time and, and have got what they call a starvation brood mm -hmm. so uh, starvation swarm mm -hmm. you know where they where they've been trying to find somewhere to go and have but that's very rare because they tend to know where they're going before they swarm so quite often you know they're actually at their most um, docile because there isn't any baby bees and i also reckon you could walk through the middle of a swarm and not realize it yeah you probably could without too much trouble because although when you see them on the tv they're like this little cloud following people aren't they like cartoons yeah you know when you're a kid you see these cartoons it's some of bees chasing someone around as yeah. if they're yeah. you know like all co coordinated in actual fact there's when you've got a big swarm like that often there are thousands of them but they're flying often quite a lot high, quite a lot of head height for starters yeah and quite, quite not close high. together necessarily yeah so as i say they're quite they're very docile at that point and, yeah and it's know, quite nice to sit and watch the swarm going in the front box because quite often you can see the queen going in. Well, they'll land on the front, they'll yeah. land on a nearby surface and then they'll crawl in, don't they? Mate, I put a video on. Oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. while I was making beehives, yeah. one in a beehive. Mad, isn't it? Absolutely mad. Oh, it's great. And it is lovely when you've made something by hand, you know, and just using old scraps and things like that, and then, and then it works, yeah. you know? And those, those swarm boxes that we've been making, now, well, you, you're making. I'm not doing any of that. They're just bits of um, um, plywood left over from a cladding job. Pieces of timber that I've kept over the years. Yeah. The roofs are made out of similar material and then coated in old fleet sacks. Yeah. So each one has probably got, I don't know, 20, 20 screws in it. Yeah. And there's no glue in any of them. No. No. Maybe well, there's a bit of filler. They're the best ones we've ever had. They've not been bad, have they? Well, no, they've been great because as someone who's, you know, obviously been using them and catching lots of swarms. And that's what they do. That's what they're for. They, they do it really well, number one. But more importantly, from my point of view, is they do it without allowing the bees to escape. Yeah. So if you can imagine, once we've caught swarm, I don't want to leave them in those little boxes for too long. No. Um, certainly not in the position they're in because I want another empty box up there to catch the next swarm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking to move them on as soon as I can. Not necessarily into a full hive, but certainly away from that location. Yeah. Which, if you're not, not a beekeeper, you won't know, but typically you do that as dusk falls, or even when it's dark. Yeah. And the reason for that is that all the bees will be home. All um, tucked up. All tucked up for the night. And so when you, when you they come back in the morning, they're not some sitting there going, where did everyone go? Yeah. As you can imagine, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? I often think it would be the bees. That'd be crazy. Like, huh? uh, there was a box here. Yeah. Uh, what happened? We're, we're, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> but, um, but then, so you move them at night time. And of course, you've got to put them in, I've got to put them in my car. Yeah. Got nowhere else to put them. So, so a secure box is a good thing. Yeah, and then obviously if they get out in the car, that's a bit of a nightmare. So, not ideal. 
Anyway, shall we take a break there? And we'll come back in a minute and talk about something else, yeah? Absolutely, mate. Right, mate speak to you soon. Okay, ladies and gents, and we're back. So we um, we thought we'd carry on with, with something we spoke about a bit last time, about um, just about prepping, really, and something we haven't spoken about for a little while. We haven't really, have we? And, no. and, and the term homesteading certainly can mean so many different things. But over the last few weeks, which is inevitable this time of year, it has really revolved around growing and food and certainly, you know, developing the, ass- the ability to grow food. So um, certainly the last few months has been that, hasn't it, really? I mean, yeah, and that's... Coming and out that, of winter. And don't get me wrong, that is a fundamental part, in my view, of what homesteading is. Yeah. And probably something which most of our listeners are probably the, you know, interested in most. You know, and probably, you know, something that they've all got in common and like talking and sharing about. But I think it's very accessible, isn't it? I think even people that... It is, and it's trying very to be current as well with the whole cost of living crisis and how... You know, you can't get away from the fact that the cost of food has increased and yep. the awareness that people have got about the quality of the food as well. Yeah. We must never lose sight of that, must we? Because you probably can go out and buy a bottle of ketchup for cheaper than you can make it still. Yeah. But it won't be nearly as good <laughs> for, for, yep. you, for you or taste-wise. But there are lots of other aspects to prepping. Mm. Prepping can be a... A bit of a sort of love-hate so, so, word, can't it? So tell me, mate, are, are you one of these nut jobs that sits in a bunker <laughs> with like loads of guns? Well, I wouldn't tell you that, would I? No, obviously don't no you wouldn't. No. No. And I think that also it depends geographically where you are and yeah. what, what those things mean. Yeah. I suppose we use the term homesteading, don't we, interchangeably with prepping. But what I would like to do is, a, is to try and talk about it in that it's, it's kind of self-reliance. That's that's the word and I I think like. that's it. When, I think when we did our first, very first The Lost Episode. The Lost Episode. Was, we, the conversation on there was kind of like, you know, have you ever been a homesteader or self-sufficient or a prepper or a... And actually, all those things are on a continuum. Of course as as I see it. Yeah, and, and different societies have got different meanings for those things. Yeah. But, but what I didn't want to do is I didn't want us to, to only ever solely talk about Vegetables, no, nope. you know, and fruit and nope. stuff, and even though that probably is, you know, the uh, the main drive to a lot of what we do, I would like to just touch base with that side of things and about okay. being prepared, and and, I, and and it can have so many different facets, so many different facets. So whether you're, you know, a homeowner or you rent a home, uh, whether you've got family or whether you live on your own. Whether you've got a small homestead or an urban homestead or whatever it is, I suppose what we're talking about is the ability to develop skills and resources to deal with situations as they arise. Absolutely. Right? We've all been in a situation where the power's gone off. We have. The water's gone off. We have. Yeah. And we're talking about just a bit, a simple, something as simple as being prepared for that scenario rather than necessarily. Being prepared for that. Rather than necessarily Third World War Three. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, and I've had, I mean, I've, over this last month, I've had some recent space with my vehicle, family vehicles yep. where we've had breakdowns and did I have the right things in the car to help me deal with them? Yeah. Or had I forgot to put them in? You know, did I have the stuff I needed so that my wife, when she broke down, could deal with the situation as it arose, yeah. you know, felt confident with that. And 
And sometimes that's just about being organised. It's about having, you know what, taking that two or three minutes to make sure that your documents are in your vehicle. Yeah. You know, is it accessible to get your 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 um, breakdown recovery membership number? Have you got it to hand? You know, if you're in a place because everything is a lot of things are web based now. You know, even the um, even the AA, who is the main recovery um, company in the UK, or one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, they encourage you to pinpoint where you are using an app, using yeah. a smartphone, but if you haven't got signal, then what do you do? You know, you need those that information yeah. on hand and stuff like that. And so I suppose what I would encourage people to do is just to go back through all of all of those important things and just make sure that when you really need them, they're where they should be. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, that's just about being organised, isn't it? And very organised. Having a place for things and having things in their place. Yeah, very much so. And, yeah. and sharing that, you know, and... Uh, something that I have spoken about, which is I, I I think is very important, is you know things like first aid kits and things like that. You know, everyone's got one in their home, haven't they? A first aid kit or a bump kit or or, out, or out, somewhere out. where you go where you keep the first aid stuff. Like, yeah, there's a cupboard in the kitchen or, or whatever, bathroom yeah, or whatever. I agree. Yeah. yeah, but you know, let's you know, hopefully we never get to that situation. But I would like to know that if I if I'd had a bad accident in my house, I'd like to think that my children knew where that was. Yeah. And they could bring it. Yeah. You know? I'd like to think that my children, whatever age they are, would be happy calling the emergency services and yeah. and, and pinpointing where we live. Hmm. Do they know the postcode? Yeah. Is it written by the phone? Yeah. You know? In 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 the in a bit of a fluster, you know, not a lot of people a lot of people don't even have a landline now, do they? But is there is there a li- is there a list by somewhere where yeah. this is who you ring first, this yeah. is who you ring second? Yeah. You know, an emergency contact set of lists yeah. for your children. Um, is there is there or have you had a conversation about if there's a fire in your house? What's the plan? Yeah. Where where are we going? Yeah. And and obviously you'll be doing that at the time, but I do think it takes an awful lot of stress out of a situation if if the fire brigade knock on your door and say, look. There's a there's a fire three doors up. We're evacuating everybody out. Well, what's the plan there? Because I think if you share that with your family, some emergency procedures, yeah. it does bring an element of calm to the situation. So that's what preppers would call a bug out plan. Yeah, I'm not even talking about bug out like no. as if you know. I'm just talking about an emergency procedure. Okay. So yeah, you could say bug out plan, I suppose. Yeah. But it might be that. Well, we'd go to Nan and Grandad's, wouldn't we? Yeah. We'd go to the neighbour's house or what yeah. have you, you know? Yeah. And so it's just about thinking about some of those things beforehand. And I don't think any of that's about scaremongering. I think that's just about having a plan which is accessible and shared. And, and yeah, of course it can change at the time and this, that and the other. But it gives everyone that sense of, well, I've got, we've got an idea about what we would do. And we've talked about it and discussed it and it's not, you know... I mean, when we when you first started talking about this to me, we must be talking ten years ago, ten years ago yeah. now. Yeah, um, it was kind of in the tinfoil hats territory, wasn't it? Yeah, you know the people that are expecting society to fall apart and you know these terrible things are going to happen, and you've got to be ready for the end of the world, otherwise yeah. we're all going to die or whatever. And in fact, in our lifetime, in our recent lifetime, yeah. we've experienced two really significant events that have had a yeah. massive impact on the everyday lives of. People across the planet, absolutely. Even though they're not necessarily directly involved, so obviously a pandemic, yeah, hit everyone really hard, and I think a lot of people got more interested in this lifestyle through that. I, I, I think people who had put things aside, yeah, had a plan, or yeah. had a vegetable garden, or had the knowledge as some toilet rolls, had some loo rolls, <laughs> yeah. 
kept abreast of the situation, whether you had your immunisations or not. Yeah. But but were savvy enough to be able to see the wood from the trees a little bit. Yeah. Recognise what the choices they had were. I think that word is probably it. Yeah. Some people had some choices. Some people didn't have any choices because yeah. they didn't. They weren't prepared for certain things. Yeah. And, and you know, ha having a bit put by in your house of food, having a bit put by, you know, a bit of cash and stuff like that. All those things are still really important. Mm. What what surprised me, you know, was when I went to my mum and dad's after the end of the first lockdown. Yeah. And they got rid of all the stuff they bought. We've got all this pasta, we don't need it now because lockdown's over. Wow. And things like that. And it was like, okay, so so, so what? We don't think it might, so it might, could might be, not be another lockdown in six ever, months because it's not over yet. Yeah. yeah. Or, or wasn't it a good idea to just have a couple of packs there and some dried skimmed milk and, you know, you know? Do you know what I like about it more than anything else, right? And it's, so, it's such a simple thing. Mm. When we run out of ketchup in our house yeah. at dinner time, because yeah. invariably that's when you run out of ketchup, right? Yeah, so never mind world pandemic, it's about screaming. Uh, uh, and my kids teenage, going, teenage daughters going, going, where's the ketchup? The ketchup right? Where's the ketchup? And I'm like, well, I've been in the pantry, haven't I? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, Alan calls it a pantry. It's I've a pan got a couple of boxes. <laughs> Mate, it's a pantry. And, and the thing about it is, is that it just makes that bit so much more straightforward. It really does, doesn't it? There, there'll be a spare bottle out there. There might be more than one spare yeah. bottle out there at certain times. And the aim is obviously for there to be more than one spare bottle, but I haven't got to rush out and get it. It's just there. Yeah. And it some just of makes that's, life that much, something that much more so, Some of that's good because we've got young children, but we're also getting old, mate, and I, I forget to buy things sometimes. Well, I do as well. Or, or so, you can't get, because you know, you know, I make no bones about the fact that I shop in Audi. Yeah. One of the problems with shopping in Audi is if you go at the wrong time of day, they, don't have they might, won't have some yeah. things. They just won't have but it. A, and that's are, been true across all supermarkets recently. Well, it's been true with certain... Um, goods, one which have gone up in value, so people are starting to rely more on supermarket-owned brands, which yeah. now are inevitably selling out, which then yeah. means that, well, if you're going to have that product, so let's talk about ketchup because we started it, yeah. then you've got to have top-end brand, and that has gone through, through the roof, the roof yeah. Yeah. the cost of that. So yeah. you're right, there is a cost of money implication there, but there is also, um, you know, infrastructure or utility supply. That That's something that still happens. Yeah. It still happens all the time. Water yeah. and electricity are two things which we still have problems with here. Intermittent, yeah. you know, inter intermittent um, disruption to supply, and I mean the quality of the water fluctuates quite a lot. We had yeah. a, we had a recent spell where there was just building work happening on our road, yeah. and, and we lost our water supply for quite a long time. Yeah. And and then and that really hits you hard as a mm. fan. You know, I, I think a lot of families would have moved out. Yeah, you know, and so just having the capacity to say, "Oh, uh, no, it's all right. I've got some five-liter bottles of water. Yeah, I've got ten. You know, probably cost you, I don't know, twenty quid. Yeah, but I've got ten, so we've got a couple of days of grace. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that is that is such a powerful thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, oh yeah. Everyone goes, oh, oh, that's all right. Yeah, you know, well, it means you haven't got to do like when we had it and we talked about it on a previous show, didn't we? When we it happened in my town. It doesn't happen very often in the no, town. It doesn't. But the, like everything you could drink off the shelves, you, yeah, literally yeah. gone. Yeah, within a couple of hours of it yeah. becoming apparent that there was this was going to be a problem. Yeah, and so that yeah. in itself, just having that ability that's okay to choose. Yeah, again. if you want to go and queue up for yeah. bottled water, no, thanks. Well, yeah, that's no, fine, isn't I'm it? Good, it's thanks. You. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's very easy to get swamped by preparing like that yeah though. it's very easy to think of everything in it's being so huge and so yeah. big 
And so I would literally get a list or make a list. Well, let's, do, let's do a couple of things just for the just for the fun of it for now. One thing I'd like to do in a minute is to bring it back to something that's more relevant to what we have been doing recently, yeah. which is about the fact that we've been growing loads of vegetables and growing loads of vegetables in itself solves some of those problems. It does. Let's talk about how we make the most of that. But let's first just go down like maybe a top five things that everyone should think, actually, I probably need to have a bit of this spare in my house. Yeah, and we could we could look at it, couldn't we, with regards to disruption. Because yeah. if people's yeah. everyday lives run quite nicely yeah. and your systems and your routines are in place, then that's all right. Yeah. But think let's think, shall we, about well let's what what would happen if yeah? Okay. So let's so, do let's should we do a couple of scenarios then yeah. perhaps? All right, yeah. so let's let's take the water one, because that's the starting point, isn't it? That was I think utility supply, yeah. yeah. I think you probably put water and electricity in the same bracket. Put them in the same bracket, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, um, so and I think that very much depends on the weather at the time time of year yeah because you know if the electricity or gas central heating went at the moment mm. it's much easier to deal with it than if it goes yes. in January or February yeah. in my house yeah um, but that doesn't mean that I haven't got the ability to light and heat my house yeah not all of it no but I can light and heat my house and cook in my house okay and I've got more than one level of contingency and this is, a, this is the two is one one is none scenario yeah, yeah yeah so I would say that most people have probably got at least one because I think most people somewhere have probably got a camping sofa or a barbecue yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. garden or a fire pit or a yeah wherever it might be yeah have you got fuel though that's the next well, thing yeah, though, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so uh, we would have in the house we've got Methylated spirit charger burners, yep. right? So they're really, really bomb-proof, slow, yeah. but will boil your water for tea, yeah. Yeah. and you can cook a fried egg and a bacon yeah. sandwich or something like yeah. that. You can yeah. cook, you can heat up your baked beans yeah. or your beans and you know yeah. pork and beans or what have you, yeah. um, and you can do MREs, you know, um, yeah. what they call them, ready, 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 the, yeah. The, yeah. ready meals, like ration packs, yeah, or your pot noodle. Let's yeah. let's go yeah. urban on it. Yeah. You can boil the water, make your pot noodle. Everyone's yeah. going to eat something, yeah. yeah. So we've got some transient stoves. We've got we we've got some we've got some bottled gas, yep. which run a couple of burners or yep. camping, what have you. And then obviously we've got a solid fuel wood burning stove, which has got a cooking capacity on the top. Yeah. Right. So there's three. Okay. That's before I go outside and make a fire. Yeah. Or a barbecue or a brick built yeah. oven outside, yeah. which I could probably do with skills yeah. rather than resources. Yeah. I've got skills backed up. Right. I would say that water is still probably the one that I would struggle the most with. I think it's the hardest problem. I think if you go, if you're going to say your electric supply, your gas supply goes down, obviously there's issues then with heating and lighting your home and with washing yeah. because of that. Oh, hurricane lamps and candles, by yeah. the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And torches yeah. and rechargeable batteries. None of which take up lots of space. And solar store for a long little time. Little solar rechargeable light yeah. bulbs that you yeah. got me on. Yeah. And I've got, I've also bought this little solar twenty volt charger. Yeah. Which even on a cloudy day will, will power my power bank, yeah. and then that I can charge my phone, yeah. and I can also charge my torch and battery. So I, I always, when we talk about this, in my head, I'm I'm, I'm transported back to 1987, yeah. right? And people that live in the UK know that 1987 was the time of this October storm, which literally flattened I don't know how many millions of trees, but yeah, put most of the country out of electric for long a long time, a good long time. And I know that in my house it was probably the best part of a week yeah. because of where we lived. I had and, this about two years ago. Al. Yeah, I know you did. But <laughs> I'm always transported back in yeah, time to yeah. 1987. And 
it was a storm big enough to lift up my nan's massive shed and, yeah, was, and put it through the, was, the, the lounge window. You know, it was that big of a storm. And um, I'm always transported back to mum and dad cooking on the camp stove yeah. by candlelight because yeah. it was October. Um, and us sort of huddling around that, trying to keep warm blankets yeah. and extra jumpers and yeah. that sort of thing. And I think one of the things we've got now in 2023 that we didn't have then is the technology. Yeah, we have. Got that a lot actually, of there's no reason now why any of us couldn't have, without spending a great deal of money on no. it, access to lighting. Absolutely. Um, in that scenario, that yeah. doesn't need to be candles. It could be candles because they're really nice, and it was a lovely thing to do. You have the yeah. candles out and play yeah, ball games by candle. I, I, I think thing, that but, those little, they look like a light bulb, but they're yeah. actually an LED solar powered bulb. Yeah. And they, I think they're five, ten watt, seven yeah. watt, something like that. Yeah. And they run off a probably a solar panel the size of an envelope. Yep. A six. And they're pretty. I mean, they last a long time. They're I don't know about good. yours. Mine, yeah. mine have been up for probably three yeah. or four years, yeah. five years, and they're just out in the sun all the time. Yeah. And they last about seven hours. The bulbs. Yeah. But you can pick them up, move them around, hold them like a torch. Yep. Hang them up. You know, take them with you where you go. And I mean. How how comforting would that be for a child? Yeah. So that all the power's gone off. Oh, but we've got these, and you just put it in their room, yeah. and you click the light on, and then the lights on. Just be like, and they come with a nice long cable, don't they? So you could run it from where the light hang. You could literally hang it from the light fitting. Put it out the window and put the, the solar panel out the, the window, window or on the windowsill. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yeah. in actual fact, there's no reason why you wouldn't have light in that scenario. Heat is a bit more of a problem in most people's yeah in most situations. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're both fortunate because we've got wood burning stoves. Yeah. Um, but have you got some jumpers? Yeah. Well, have you got blankets. a couple of spare duvets and yeah. blankets yeah. and things like that? Yeah. And have you got some really good warm socks and yeah. what have you? You know, and the and ability hot water, to, and hot water bottles. Yeah, I was say, the ability to heat water to make food and hot yeah. water bottles, that sort of thing. So comforting that's where the camping stove comes in. Tea goes a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. long way. Cold, absolutely. A cup of coffee, you know. So I think that scenario, I think most people could, without too much effort, too much hassle, too much expense, yeah. could solve that. And problem. also, like you said, not that much space. You know, a few no. boxes tucked here and there. You know, under the bed or yeah. in the bottom of the cupboard or what have you. I've I think load, you can really give, a pantry on a really give yourself a, 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 a kind of leg up, can't you? And yeah. if you can charge your mobile phones with solar, yeah. you probably will have contact and communication abilities, won't you? I know it would depend on where your signal is yeah. and what have you. I used to tell people to have a wired telephone because it yeah. runs on a slightly different network. Yeah. But I think less and less people are having... Wide telephone. I'm not sure I'll be able to call. I'll, yeah. I, I might be able to call out, but no one's going to be able to receive it apart from you. <laughs> but you can ring a mobile phone from the telephone. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the mobile master still be up if the power went down. Maybe not. Maybe it's not. A bit RLB, I think. I think it'd be one of the first things they put back online. I think one of the most important things, though, talking about communication, is that somewhere you've got an old-fashioned telephone book. Yeah. Because all of my numbers, I, I don't know your telephone number. No, I don't know. Uh, and I've got it. It's in my phone. Yeah. But if my phone don't work, I the can't, only, the I can't ring you, mate. Heart is my wife's. Yeah. It's the only one I know by heart. The rest I don't even know that. No, no do you not? <laughs> no. Well, you don't know my wife's number. I should think not. <laughs> <laughs> I know my mum and dad's home phone number. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And they've got, I bet you like my parents, they've got one of those ones that you walk around on a cradle. Wireless no, because I bought them a oh, wired telephone yeah. for just such a scenario. So... The, the, if you don't know, the telephones in, in the UK run on a different electrical circuit than the main power. And so, yes, the telephones are more likely probably to go down, depending on where you are, depending on how your wires is served. But the ability to communicate, I think, becomes very important. And that might just be a battery-powered radio so yep. that you can hear 
the news. Yeah, and for about 10, 15 quid, you can buy one that's got a solar panel on it. It's got a wind-up thing on it. You yeah. put batteries in it. Yeah. So they, multiple they, different ways of And they last it. a long time. Yeah. Um, but having a couple of those is a great thing, yeah. you know. So without power, that's the power bit. The water bit is much more tricky. Yes, and the, the problem is with water is the storage of water. Isn't yeah. It? So it's yes, you can put aside those bottles of water that you spoke about earlier, and you can yeah. have fifty liters sitting in the garage or yeah. in a shed or whatever. There's issues firstly around how you store that. Absolutely. To keep yeah. it safe to drink. Yeah, and I've tried lots of different things. I've tried getting bottles and filling them myself yeah. with municipal water, and that's okay. But I would say that my the first bit is to buy a bottle of water yeah. and have it there. Yeah. And then if you are in a, if you're in an event where you've used it, you've still got the containers yeah. to then do what you can do to to, to yeah. go to the next stage, whether that's boiling and refilling. Um, and I would say that municipal water in the UK would probably last you eighteen months in a bottle, yeah. just because of the amount of <laughs> chemicals that are in it anyway. You know, yeah. um, but. Once you get past your bottled water supply, you're looking at some various methods of sterilisation, which yeah. inevitably is boiling, which then goes back to your fuel, goes back to yeah. having the ability to and boil bo water. Boiling water is in the, it's fuel intensive, isn't it? So it's not, small amounts is okay, but not, it's not realistic to be so, thinking you're going to boil for enough for a bath and that sort no, of thing. No, so the other options really are chemical treatments, chlorine tablets, iodine, or... Um, Using something like a life straw filter, yep. or a soya water filter. Yeah, they're not that expensive either. Uh, life straws now are about fifteen pounds, yeah. but you would probably need one for every person in your family, yep. if we're being honest. But with that, you could literally go and drink out your pond. Can't yeah, you? it's ten thousand liters yeah. capacity. So, I mean, that's going to last you a long time. So, I, I, I'd want to do this just to see if my family will do it. We've got a couple of ponds in the garden. Okay. I want to get some of these life straws and literally sit two life straws. <laughs> I've got two. Have you? Yeah. 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 Um, I think Life Straws even now do a, what looks like a bottle, like, you know, like oh, a water yeah. bottle, yeah. Yeah. and the filter sits inside yeah. it. So the Life Straws, you have to be at the source to yeah, dip yeah. it in and suck through yeah. like a straw. Yeah. And it's just got such a fine filter yeah. that it, redu it, it re gets everything apart from chemicals out. Yeah. So any bacteria, bacteria and um, waterborne parasites, yeah. things like that. Yeah. But it doesn't get chemicals out. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I'm not sure boiling does either. So, no, no, um, no. But but what you would look for though would be a way of um, having enough water on site so that you could have the straw to use there. Yeah. Or using one of these other ones, which has got a vessel with it, so you can go and get the water and then yeah. go where you're going. Yeah. So I would say that as well as having the facility to filter it, you need the source of water yep. in your local yep. area. Now that might be a rain butt on your downpipe. Well, I was going to say, I think this is where it kind of starts to bring it back into something that's a bit more accessible to people that are growing yep. vegetables. Yeah. Particularly given the situation in the UK over the last few weeks, which is that I haven't seen a drop of rain in probably a month. You haven't, uh, you haven't seen a drop of rain in a month. Yeah. And I bet you've just found out that your water bill is going to go up. Yep. Yeah. So I'm looking at it and going, well, my plan that I set out at the beginning of the year to sort out some water is a really good idea, yeah? yeah? It is a really good idea. Um, and so it's about catching as much rainwater as it comes is, on your yeah. property as you can, isn't it? And that, that depends on your situation. But I think most your people... storage capacity. Yeah, most people will have some space to put a water butt in. Some people will have space for much more than one water butt. Yeah. And I would suggest that probably it's a good idea to be storing as much water as you can. Obviously, now it's a bit late probably for this season, but getting ready for... I would say it's not. 
you think you're going to get a big downpour or something. It doesn't oh, take much to fill it, does I'll it? I'll tell you what, these summers, when you get a summer storm, mate, yeah. I would definitely use it. It doesn't take much to fill up no, the water, but that's for sure. I know, you know, I know we had a we had a th- one of those thousand litre IBC totes here the last time it actually properly rained. And it filled up so much that it t- toppled off the plinth it was yeah. put in, put on, and it was like pouring out the top again. Yeah. Like literally in two days. They're about and 40 nothing. quid. Yeah. yeah. They are. It's those the delivery charge on those that can be difficult. Yeah, but I mean, I've seen them on Facebook, haven't you? Okay. Yeah, they're okay. not that big either, are they? What are they, a metre? Well, they basically sit on a pallet. Metre so, by metre, aren't yeah, they? About more or less, 1.2 maybe. Yeah. Uh, just, it literally comes on a pallet normally. You this one hasn't got a cage around it, which is quite tumbled off. Yeah. yeah, easy. I've got a spot for one in my garden. Yeah. I've just got to get it in there. So I've just got your bog standard rain water barrels, yep. and I've got three. Yep. Four, but one's not hooked up yet. And even if it was on a shed, which has probably got, what, well, I don't know, six by, six by eight roof, yeah. it will still fill up over the winter, yeah. won't it? I, I have problems with mine overfilling in the winter because yeah. my one literally is not on a downpipe. It goes from the guttering into the water bath. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And I, I, have, to, I have to drain it out at the moment because I'm not going to have storage. Yeah, so it I've overflows got, Yeah, I've got plans to put more butts in yeah. there so that I get to a point where I've got... Them linked up, yeah. yeah. It takes a lot longer for it me to yeah. me to be overfilled, but yeah. And I st- and I do think that that could help if you've got chickens or animals yeah. that need feeding. You know, yeah. there's no reason why you can't have that kind of capacity going on so that your animals are okay yeah. at least. You know, and then the water that you catch off the roof, obviously you can't just drink it. No. Um, but you could have the opportunity to use your life straw or your ava filtration or keep a spare pair of tights and something to boil the water with. Yeah. 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 So so that. That, I would say, is where you would be. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, you're looking at, do you know where the local source of water is in mm-hmm. your area? Mm-hmm. Is it a lake? Is it a stream? Is it a river? Yeah. You know, um, it becomes a bit more tricky to test for things like farm and agricultural runoff and chemicals mm-hmm. and fertilisers and things like that. But if you live in the UK, you can get an ordnance survey map of your area mm-hmm. and it will have SPR written in blue letters mm-hmm. and just find the nearest one because that's the spring coming out oh, of the okay. ground. Yeah. And, they're, and they're marked. And they'll be way more than you think yeah, yeah. in your area. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even if you just knew, and it, you know, hopefully you never have to use yeah. that. But if you know where the spring is in your local area, I bet not many people do. Well, you're going to make you valuable, <laughs> aren't it? You don't mind carrying water to and fro, you'll be well valuable. I bet not many people do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do that. I like that one. That's a really nice idea. Yeah, I mean, you'll have some chalk filter down oh. where you live, mate, wouldn't you? Yeah. Peck of spring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be bright yellow, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, I, just having that capacity. So, that's your utility, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then, of course, you can get into your vegetables and... Uh, not having everything, you know. I don't I don't know many people who've got everything where they live. No. I mean, it's a bit of a walk to your allotment, but at least you could do it. I, I could do it easily. Yeah. So, you know, but for good. some people, that, that you know, I can't yeah. walk to work to get no. vegetables from where I work, no, no. which is why I always grow yeah. some stuff at home. Yeah. Something green. Yeah. Some onions. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, then, and then I've got the capacity to at least get something. Yeah. You know, chard. I love chard. Yeah. It's just the best, isn't it? It's just, <laughs> no, it's great. It's just there when you need it, man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, eggs, obviously, we've spoke about yeah. being self-sufficient eggs. I think, I think the food side of the kind of thing we've done. But let's, let's, let's revisit some of that briefly because in terms of the preparedness part of it, where this, this is where it kind of merges, isn't it? Because you go from... The, the bullets, beans and band-aids kind of idea, which is yeah. you know a bit, bit kind of like the world's going to come to an yeah. end and that sort of stuff. 
So there's kind of slightly more genteel take on it, which we get in the UK. Because yeah. but I also think it's really actually start. quite fun. I actually quite enjoy it. I don't come at it from a oh whoa whoa whoa. I actually no. really enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's quite good. But it's nice to go out into. Like we had a situation at work a few weeks ago, and we've got we have, we have a forest school leader here yeah. trying to light a fire. It's been raining a lot. It's yeah. before the, the no dry, dry wood. No dry wood to be found anywhere. Yeah. Struggling to light a fire. And we're like, how are we going to light the fire? So well, I've got all the things. And all the things were some cotton wool, yeah. some Vaseline, and yeah. one of those Swedish fire light fire lane irons. Fire steel. And it took a little while to get it going, but we got it going, Absolutely. even with the damp, damp wood. And so just doing that just for the fun of it, yeah. you know, doing that with, with your kids particularly. And that's, the, and, and that's the difference between squills and, and, and materials. You had both there, didn't you? Yeah. And yeah. you can go further down the bushcraft route and learn how to, well, I haven't got any cotton wool. I've got yeah. a Swedish fire steel. Yeah. Uh, you can go right back and, yeah. and get skills, your bushcraft skills and yeah. your and your hunting skills and whatever you right going far back yeah. or you can go the other way and go right well I better make sure I've got enough cotton wool I've yeah. got enough Vaseline and yeah. what happens if I can't find my, yeah. my, my Swedish fire seal have I got yeah. some matches have I got some lighters have I got more than one yeah. press one on brakes yeah. 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 so having those layers of capacity and, yeah. and it's a balancing act isn't it about having both really yeah. skills and knowledge yeah. and uh, stuff uh, but I think that's where the crossover comes because we're going back to having stores in the cupboard doesn't mean going out and buying tins of beans no, and doesn't. tins of Sweet corn or wherever it will be. Sometimes it's about. Bruv, how expensive is sweet corn at the moment? I know, it's ridiculous. It's, well, it's not, though, is it? Mad. It's not ridiculous no, when know, you think about how it's grown and where it grows. Where it grows and when it grows and how long it grows for. It's mad. entirely reasonable. Um, mad. I've got a proper shop, mate. It's more mad that it was cheaper before than yeah, it is that it's yeah. expensive now, I, I would suggest. But, yeah. um, but part of that's about learning to eat seasonally, learning the skills of producing your own food, but then it's learning the skills of preserving your own food. And that might be as simple as having a spare bit of freezer capacity. Which yeah. you can manage yeah. somehow to keep going, should there be. I a, think because of my situation and where I live, I'm trying to come more and more away from reliance on my freezer. Yeah. And it's really tricky. It's really tricky. But <laughs> some of that is about dry food storage. Yeah. And some of it is about drying. Mm-hmm. But it's also about, I suppose, changing what you eat and stuff like that. Part of the, yeah. And part of it for you would be then eating seasonally. Yeah, much more. Because the other problem seasonally. you're going to have is that, unlike me, you haven't got so much storage space. You couldn't no. go shelf stably, you couldn't can it. No, you could do probably. some probably couldn't you but there'd yeah. be a limit to that for you I guess yeah very much so yeah. that's it would be for me but I like the idea of having meat and eggs and vegetables and you know things like that on site and yeah. just because it fits into here now as I was out at the farm today the first ears of corn are on my wheat yeah and I'm really looking forward to yeah. having that yeah. getting the grain and learning how to freshen that out yeah. and, you know they're all skills aren't they yeah absolutely um, so there's that so um, that's your util- we talked about utilities haven't yeah. we and a bit about food yeah and the, other, the only other one that I would say you know because we've talked about half an hour is we'll just go back to that one about health yeah right and talk about skills and stuff okay again, right so do some first aid courses yeah even if they're watching YouTube videos St. John's Ambulance or yeah. CPR or whatever it yeah. is Find a reputable one. There are a million out there. Yeah. Or even better, go on a course. Yeah. Or even better, talk to your kids who might be in the scouts yeah. or the guides or whatever, it, and they've done one. Oh, what? Show me, just yeah. so I know. Yeah. Have a well-stocked first aid kit. Have a book about first aid as well. Yeah. Um, because you can't always be reliant on Dr. Google. You no. know, what do you do if someone faints? Yeah. Oh, there's no internet. I don't know what to do if yeah. someone faints. Just one decent book about it which lives with a first aid kit you know and if you're someone who's a regular medication user mm. talk to your gp about having some some stockpile of your medication yeah. now 
certain countries have got different rules about that and yeah. rightly so and things like that but having a supply of painkillers and antihistamines and things like that it's really important isn't it because it gives you that level of capacity yeah. and i remember you know how grateful i was in the middle of the night when my children were young mm. that i had some infant painkillers yeah, yeah yeah and i would have done anything for them at yeah. that point in yeah. time because the shops were shut yeah so yeah, I could go to the hospital probably, yeah. but that's 20 miles, you know. Yeah. So just having that capacity or toothache. Toothache is a dreadful thing. Isn't yeah, it? If you it wake is, up with toothache. That and earache, mate, they're the two. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you know, having some clove oil and some good yeah. painkillers and varieties of painkillers for different people. If you take regular medication for asthma or for anything, you know, trying to have that, that capacity, you know. Um, like I don't have a lot of experience about things like diabetes, so I can't really talk about the the practicalities of that. I know some diabetic medication has to be kept refrigerated and, yeah. and things like that, so yeah. I'm not quite sure how that works. No. I have, speak to your medical professionals about it. Yeah, I have heard about people who have um, solar power refrigeration and things like that. Just ticks it over well, or I, keeps it cool was, or cool had, packs or something. Been, like you know, that. we've been looking into solar panels thing for a while. Mm. We spoke to a friend of a friend of ours last week and um, he's, he installed solar, solar for yeah. a living and just saying to him, look, I know I can't go properly off grid as much as I'd love to. Yeah. He's like, no, you can't because you won't produce enough. You won't generate enough power in the, in yeah. the winter to be able to pro be properly yeah. off grid. I said, but what, what is there that you can do for me that if the power goes down in this area, I don't, I'm not out of power? Hmm. He said, well, there's not much I can do in terms of the whole house, but what I can do, do is give you a couple of sockets. Yeah. So worst case scenario, power goes down. We run a cable hmm. from this, these sockets to the fridge and the freezer, mm. and they stay on. Yeah, and that's really and we generate weird. and generate if, as long as you've got your own battery, you're generating solar. You've got whatever power is in that battery mm. to run those two items yeah. or that item. Yeah. Unfortunately, things like your kettle, anything that heats anything, is the just, worst. Uh, just burn through your battery yeah, in no time. Gone. But in terms of the the fridge and the Tick freezer over. Yeah. ticking over, that especially if they're full, don't use loads of power. No. And if you don't open them, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the, so that, those those items, that's one. And they would charge your phone as well, wouldn't it? Would charge your phone, yeah. So and, I mean, you get solar charges and things for that anyway now, can't you? But it would charge your phone. It yes. would, again, give you another source of Just light. Just give you those. Yeah. And, and the peace of mind that comes with all of these things yeah. is really big, isn't it? Yeah. And it's quite subtle. I think it's quite subtle, isn't it? What's interesting about that particular solution, although it's quite an expensive like initial outlay to get a battery, solar power yeah. battery, you're talking sort of three, 4,000. You don't even need to have solar panels to, to use that no. as, a, as a facility because that battery can sit in your cupboard under the stairs mm. or whatever. And you can use it to, to store electric or back power from the, from the grid yeah. and have it topped up the whole time. Mm. And then if it did happen, you've got those sockets. Yeah. Yeah. So theoretically, that capacity, whether you've got panels or not, mm. you could go down that route. It's one solution. You, you, it is well windy where you live. Yeah. I wonder whether you could have a little wind thing on your shed. I don't think run where we are down in the pole. valley, it would be enough. Mm. I think it's well windy on the seafront yeah, because we're back off it and down the valley yeah. a bit. One of the things we talk about is if it's even slightly breezy at home, don't go down the seafront, you get blown no, over. No, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, that's yeah. So there is a bit of a difference, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, big difference, big difference. That's not something that I, I, don't, I don't think I could utilise that. But, but having those layers, especially like we've talked about there, just, you know, with utilities, mm. so some, you know, water, food and power, we yeah. talked about your basic needs, yeah. didn't we, and heating yeah. and stuff like that. And then we talked about looking after yourself and your people, you know, have you got some toothbrushes and yeah. enough toothbrushes and yeah. toothpaste and a few bits put by and a spare yeah. bar of soap and all those enough things. For, enough for a few weeks if you can. Yeah. 
and a good first aid kit and some skills yeah. surrounding that. I yeah. think that, that that's basically what we're talking about on a basic level before before you well, start to get into some sort of long-term, deeper storage. Just even if you started to think about those things, you're better off than 95% population. Absolutely. Even just thinking about it. Yeah. Never mind necessarily doing anything yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean... Which is mad. Depending on the time of year, you know, I know that you and I probably, you know, if push come to shove, if, if we couldn't leave the house mm. as, as happening COVID, really... Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it would be some work, but you've got the tools and the seeds at home to grow a yeah. lot of food, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> if you if you couldn't even go to your allotment, give 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 you a few weeks, you could probably have some. I some... could turn the garden over in yeah. not long at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and hard work in my place. It but... would be very hard work, yeah. but um, quite exciting though. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it would be what is it hard. about preppers that like? I really want the, the brown stuff to hit the fan. <laughs> no, I so don't. It's almost like they want it to happen. But I don't. But... I don't. I can do that. But. No, I don't. <laughs> but... And I know... And I would certainly wouldn't make light of it because I know that the reality for many people is horrific. But for, for me, co- the, the COVID lockdown, actually, even though we were worried about loved ones and things like that, and I know, and I'm certainly not making light of, you know, a lot of people lost people. And yeah. for us, there were some positives about that family time yeah about being together yeah about being at home and having extended lengths of time together yeah. there were um, no, you know, I, I, I make no bones about I, it I thoroughly I think, enjoyed it actually because I, I was stuck at home I couldn't go out no. I, I think I a lot of people's focus and priorities changed yeah. during that time yeah I know certainly when I was able to see my mum and dad and my brothers again it was it was I was so pleased mm. you know what I mean and you know, some of the things that perhaps we placed value in changed. My yeah. value my value system changed. Um, and, you know, I suppose the last thing I'm going to say, just because it's just come to my mind there, is we've, I've always lived in a family where we like technology, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I've got a library in my house mm. and I've got books in my house. Mm. And... And art materials and, yeah. and stuff to do, yeah. which isn't reliant on a screen. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, my children have grown up like that. Mm-hmm. They love their technology, though. Don't yeah. you know? Get yeah. my boy off his phone now. It yeah. takes it's a long time. But I've got a big box of Lego. Yeah. And I know that if I went home tonight to let's get the Lego out within half an hour, everyone in my family would be making Lego or doing something. Yeah. You know, please don't take. Yeah, we've got a nice library of board games, not books, board, games, board games, pack of cards, yeah. things like that also for, for, for mental well-being and sharing are very, very important, very important. I think I could hibernate in my front room with my guitars and my wood burner and my library <laughs> quite easily. You definitely could, yeah. And, and I sell that, you know, instruments in the house. You, Hobbies. Yeah, things to it do is. in it. And I think the one thing that for lockdown, going back to that thing for us was that being grateful for having the outdoor space. Yeah. Because the people that we knew that lived in flats with no garden <sighs> at all. Would have been tough. And that, particularly in that hot spell that we had in that Very first tough. lockdown in April. Nowhere to go. Can't get out. It's boiling no. inside. No. Can't, you know, it's really, really miserable. And you could maybe go, was it one walk a day you were allowed to do yeah. or something? Yeah. An hour a day. Hour yeah. Day. It was like, oh, okay. What, what, the other thing that I did is when I knew that we were going to get locked down, yeah. is I got 20 pallets. <laughs> so I had wood to yeah. make, make stuff out yeah. of. And you know, tinker about and play yeah. and, and make things and mm. and having a and having a you know a kind of little workshop to do yeah. things in. But we'll talk about that maybe at the next episode. Yeah. So you know, utilities, mental well-being, little yeah. bit of time yeah. and pastimes and Water, stuff. Some food, first aid, keeping warm. 
Yeah. I think that, you know, we, we talk a lot about food and vegetables, but I just wanted to come back and touch base on that because yeah. I think that it's very easily forgotten and it's very easily forgotten at this time of the year when it's warm and the sun's shining and everything's all cushioned. And let's be honest, right now, if it happened right now, we'd probably all be all right because yeah, we've all got some right vegetables bit, growing yeah. and, you know, we find a way it's to okay, sort it. Yeah. yeah, maybe the water will be a problem at the minute, but, you, you know... That won't be a problem for long, will it? We live in England, right? Well, I, you say that, but climate change is apparent. Yeah, yeah. it is apparent. And if and if if the municipal supply to your allotment was cut off, you'd struggle, wouldn't you? Yes and no. Yes and no. Depending on the time of season, the season. You'd once, have struggled in the last six weeks to raise seedlings if yes, you didn't have water for that. supply. Yeah, we'd have struggled for that. Once the, once because keep them going. Once they're in, it's not so bad. No you right. You'd be down the front with a reverse osmosis pump, getting seawater up to the dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a long way away from the seat front to the allotment, but but no. You, you, once they're in an established with the no dig, it does seem to be they didn't need yeah. loads of water. Mulching say, last year. becomes important, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Conservation yeah. becomes important. Yeah. Growing varieties, perhaps that yeah. are um, you know water don't resistant. need as water resistant yeah. Yeah. or, or drought resistant, rather. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like your French beans, they can live on nothing, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Unbelievable. But yeah. anyway, we'll, we'll go back into that. But just yeah. you know, even if all you do is think about, well, it, it might be really hot and warm next year, my, and my four my four water butts might might run out. Well, that's what I did when we did our season kind of yeah, a season opener of thinking about. Objectives for the year. I do look for you, mate, for the water butts on Facebook. Yeah, I haven't seen any. There was one, I, I did have one for I did get a couple, didn't I? I told you I've got a couple yeah. of the allotment for not much. And there's one guy that's not far away from me that's got some similar ones, but they're 10 or each. Which I think it's very bad. reasonable, yeah, actually. It's but reasonable. it's just, I've got to go and get them, and it's like yeah. 20 minutes drive away, and I can't bother at the minute. Probably by the time I get around to it, it'll sold out again. But um, I'll, get, I'll get to I'll get onto that. I, will. Yeah. I'll just, I could do with a couple more. Yeah. Because mine, mine last six weeks, I can yeah. water my garden for six weeks. Yeah with the three water butts I've yeah. got, but it would be really nice if I could water it double that, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that's just spot watering with a watering can. If I was growing a lot of fruit and vegetables, yeah. it would be a lot less. Yeah. That just does the beds and the chickens yeah. and things like that, yeah. But for me, it's about running the, keeping the greenhouses running. That's what I need, to, yeah. need it at home for. But I'll be able to store a lot more water than I'm likely to use. That's my, my thinking, is what mm. I'm going to try and do. And that's partly because I've got a couple of really good little spots tucked away. Yeah where they could go where they're not going to be in anyone's way, they're no. not going to cause any issue. No. And I've also got some suitable buildings to take yeah. down pipes so, and stuff off. So of. have a look at your properties, people, yeah. and see what you can do. And yeah. yeah, if you live in a flat and you haven't got access to outside water, then you know, you're know you talking about yeah. bottle water and storage yeah. and just getting a few in just yeah. for everyone in the family. Oh, imagine not you know brushing your teeth and not having to be able to... Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got... I was thinking about it because the new allotment spot that I've got, when I first went down there, I didn't notice the massive water butt. Mm. <laughs> right? there's, a, there's a massive, like, I'm not even sure how to describe it. It's a galvanised steel, mm. like, container. container. Like, it must be, I don't know, you know, it's massive. You could almost have a bath in it, mm-hmm. right? And so I didn't notice this. And I was down the bottom of the hill and I'm thinking, how on earth am I going to get water down here? And I was looking around for it. I was looking for the little water troughs like I've got mm. everywhere else. I didn't. And I didn't clock that this one was not somebody on somebody's no. plot. I think I just thought it belonged to somebody on their plot because of where it was positioned. So I was thinking, well, I'm going to have to put some sort of structure up just to catch rainwater. Yeah. So I haven't yeah. got to carry it from the top of the hill all the way down every yeah. time because that's a nightmare. There's no one doing that and growing no. spuds down there. So although I've noticed this now, I think it's still probably prudent that I put some in. Yeah. You know, if, if and when I get around to putting a polytunnel in there, yeah. some I, sort I of water catchment so. off of that is just Absolutely. a no-brainer. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, it, take bringing it back to the farm. Yeah. Where we've been watering with our rainwater harvested yeah. rainwater, but it's nearly gone. Yeah, nearly gone. Sixty thousand liters. 
crazy, isn't it? 60,000 litres nearly gone in what, a month? Uh, probably longer than that yeah. now. Six weeks we've been using it, because remember the tunnels oh, don't, yeah. get, don't get wet even if yeah, it's raining yeah, outside, yeah, yeah. mate, don't they? So as soon as, the, as soon as the automated system came online, we've been yeah. using that, so probably about six, seven weeks. Yeah. But, you know, you water a, you know, 100 foot or 30 yeah. foot tunnel, takes quite a lot of water. So what are you gonna do, start putting the hose in the water So in each of them, in each of the tunnels, yeah. is, is mains capacity as well. Right, okay. Because that's all we had last year. Yeah. And um, if we have to revert, revert to that, we will. But, yeah. but we've got capacity for Main water or yeah. mains water in each time. Oh, look at that. Two is one. There we go. Happy there days. you are. There Happy you days. are. Anyway, we have we have talked a little bit about it feels, that. It feels there. like it's come to a natural end there, yeah, doesn't it, mate? It. So I thank you very much for your time. Thank everybody for listening. Absolutely. And we'll speak to you again in a few weeks. Toodle Cheers. pip. <laughs> so, ladies and gents, if you've enjoyed listening to the latest episode of the Homesteading UK podcast, uh, please get onto our Facebook group, Homesteading UK podcast Facebook group. Come and follow us on uh, Instagram and all those good places. And please do tell all your friends about us and uh, how much you've enjoyed listening. Uh, Come back again next time. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers. Bye-bye.